For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to dispel any fears that Christians may have regarding doubts about their faith or grappling with questions surrounding their faith, such as, why isn't God answering my prayers? Or if God is in control, why is there so much evil and suffering? Well, our guest today, Pastor J.D. Greer, author of the book, 12 Truths and a Lie, Answers to Life's Biggest Questions, will be diving into this issue and will give us hope as we seek answers rooted in scripture and practical wisdom. J.D. Greer is the pastor of the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Under Pastor J.D.'s leadership, the Summit has grown from a plateaued church of 300 to one of over 12,000. Pastor J.D. has led the Summit in a bold vision to plant 1,000 new churches by the year 2050. Pastor Greer has authored several books, including Essential Christianity, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life, Searching for Christmas, and many more. Summit Life with J.D. Greer is a daily half-hour radio broadcast featuring the teaching of Pastor J.D. and co-hosts multiple podcasts. Pastor J.D. completed his Ph.D. in theology at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He served as the 62nd president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And Pastor J.D. and his wife, Veronica, are currently raising four awesome kids. Please welcome Pastor Greer. Thank you, Ellen, for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to have you. In fact, I have actually been um, an avid listener of your The Summit Life broadcast when it was on Moody Radio some years ago, mm -hmm. and it was always on the radio every time I drove to my uh, <laughs> Tuesday night Bible study. I so it. it was just like a regular, you know. <laughs> I was your companion. That's good. Yes. But I just, I found it so encouraging. And I I just love your uh, passion for God's word. And I really love the illustrations that you use to help explain <laughs> things. So um, you're an incredible pastor. And your your topic here is just so fascinating, I think, for so many people. But I want to just start out with, like, on a personal level, how have you experienced doubt? Um, and what questions did that raise for you? Yeah, you know, I feel like several of my big spiritual transition moments, good transition, was uh, really were kind of uh, attenuated by a season of doubt. My first one was really just doubting my salvation. It wasn't questions about God or Jesus. It was whether or not I could know for sure that I you know, knew God and how I could know for sure I would go to heaven when I died. And that's actually the first chapter of this book, um, because I, I found that a lot of Christians also struggle with that. Um, in college, I went through a, kind of your series of questions that sometimes leads people to what they call deconstruction now. But just, you know, like if if God is real, then why is the world in the place that it is? Are there better answers? Uh, what I believe is not true simply because my parents taught it to me. You know, what are, are the reasons for this? 
And um, doubts, um, seasons of doubt are, are very difficult. They feel dark. You feel very alone. Um, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan talks about, you know, the, the these like caves and, and dark, you, know, you feel like you're in prison with, with doubt. And that's how I felt. What I've come to see um, since then is that God, doubt is often, be careful how I say this, Ellen, it's often divinely instigated as an invitation for you to go deeper in your faith. Doubt happens when the superficialities of our faith, what we've been spoon fed, comes into in the conflict with the realities of the world. And it's an invitation for us to go deeper in our faith. Charles Spurgeon always said that doubt is like a foot that's poised to go forwards or backwards. It means it, you know, it's like you, you picked up your foot. You can step forward, you can go backward. It's true that doubt can drive you backwards into unbelief, but it's also true that you'll never actually go forward until you pick up your foot. Um, and so I, I, I realized that some of the greatest transition, spiritual transition points were because God put me into a time where I had to answer, um, ask some deeper questions and press deeper into the heart of God than I, uh, I'd ever been before. Um, most of our Bibles, Ellen, was written by people in a time of doubt. Just go back and read the Psalms, re read the Gospels. Mm -hmm. People saying, why God? I don't get it. Well, you know, if, if you're really as good and loving as you say you are, why, why this? So the Bible is written for doubters by doubters who found reasons to believe um, in spite of their doubts. Mm -hmm. And would you say, even if you, if you doubt, but don't ask, you kind of mm -hmm. get stuck. Uh, right. But, well, but if you actually do ask, right, that leads you into this process of seeking wisdom. And yeah, and a lot of Christians are, they're, they're, they're embarrassed about it. Like, you know, so, so, so the, the format of the book, 12 Truths and a Lie, the lie is that the presence of doubts makes you a bad Christian. And I, I found that um, so many believers sit there and they have the same questions. And when I just started to verbalize them, people came out of the woodwork like, oh, I've had that same question for years. I thought I wasn't allowed to ask that. And, you know, mm -hmm. what, I, what I've tried to lead our congregation in and others in is, is, is like, these are questions that are familiar and God actually wants you to ask them because they are invitations to know him in a better and a deeper way. And that's his invitation. He's like, I can handle the question. I can handle the doubt. Come on. But what you shouldn't do is don't ask the question and sit there um, in unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think people are so afraid to kind of voice their fears or and ask good questions? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it for me, I don't know about other people, but it goes back to the fear of, of man. I want everybody to think that I'm, you know, just got it together and everything. Uh, but Jesus said one of the reasons that people couldn't come to believe in him was they regarded the opinions of others higher than they do God's opinion. And to admit that you struggle with doubt, you know, you feel like, oh, people are going to look at me and say, oh, I didn't realize that about him. I mean, you know, should he be a pastor if he has those questions? Um, and you just have to say, you know what? I don't really care what other people believe. I'm going to be real and I'm going to care what God believes. And when you're real, that's when you really start to be able to relate to people. You can impress people, you know, when you act like you have it all together, but you can relate to them when you admit that you got the same questions they do. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. That kind of ties into uh, something else that I wanted to ask, which was, you know, you say in the book that you used to get nervous about people asking you questions that you don't know the answer to as a Bible study leader. I feel the same way. Um, kind of got some coaching over the years, but um, how did you work through that fear? Yeah. So I determined um, that 
I, I could not guarantee that I would never be asked a question I could not answer, but I could guarantee that I would never be asked a question I couldn't come up with some kind of answer to twice. Like I was gonna, fi- I was gonna find out. Like what, what is the answer? Now, let me say, there's a lot of things I still feel like I don't, I can't thoroughly understand, um, but I at least know. Hey, here's what the Bible does tell us about that. Um, I, part of this this project started with um, I have a podcast called Ask Me Anything, and that actually goes back to something I used to do with college students, where I, I would go to their campus. And they would, um, a lot of the students, they'd pass out flyers and give out free pizza or whatever. And it would just be a Q&A time. And I literally would be down there with a mic and 600 students. And they'd just come on the mic and they'd ask a question. And people would always be like, oh, my goodness, like, how do you do that? Like, you know, all these smart college students. And I'm like, you know, they only ever ask a variation of five different questions. So you just got to learn the answer to those five questions. And, and because the same questions that people ask in 21st century America, they were asking in first century. There's very little new under the sun. I'm not saying they haven't gotten more sophisticated with more historical data, but, but, but it's a lot of the same things. And so um, I want to be a, I want to be a, um, a witness and I want to be an effective guide to this generation. And that means acknowledging where there are mysteries and acknowledging where there's revelation. I'll share this Ellen. Um, um, I, whenever I sign a copy of the book, Always in the front cover, I always write the verse Deuteronomy 29, 29. Um, that was John Calvin's favorite verse. And what it says is the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, and the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. And what that means is that there are some secret things out there. And for type A people who like to be able to answer everything, that drives them crazy. But mm-hmm. there are secret things, but there are also things that are revealed. And the things that are revealed help you get your mind around the things that are still secret. Um, sometimes what we want is a full explanation of everything. And what we get instead is a revelation of who God is and a God that we can trust in the midst of even, you know, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I know for me at times where I can't fully understand, I often think I'm just so glad that my God is so much greater and bigger and powerful that he knows all of these things. What would be an example that you could give our listeners on an area where things are a mystery or God's kind of silent on the topic? Yeah. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our in-depth Bible study academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, um, you know, I mean, the, probably the, the biggest one that we wrestle with is. Why do bad things happen? Why, why do I pray for things that seem perfectly reasonable in the will of God? And why would God let them happen anyway? 
um, and you say, God, if there were ever a time where I was trying to discern your heart and pray your will into existence, you know, this was it. And sometimes you get answers, you know, sometimes God will reveal a reason. Um, but a lot of times you just don't ever get a reason. That's kind of the point of the book of Job. And I talk about him a little bit in the book is Job, you know, um, basically for 39 chapters, peppers God with questions. Why, 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 why? And when God finally shows up in chapter 40, he doesn't really answer any of them. What he does is he reveals how big he is and he reveals how wise he is and how loving he is. And he's like, in light of that, do you really, do you really have a lot of questions? You feel like you're, you really want to put me in the dock. You want to take me to court. Um, and he says, you know, Job, what you want is an explanation. That's not what I'm going to give you. What I'm going to give you is revelation. Um, can you trust it? I, my favorite definition of my favorite definition of faith. My favorite definition of faith is um, my favorite definition of faith is accepting what you cannot understand based on what you can understand. What I can understand is who Jesus is. And sometimes I imagine myself in the midst of one of the worst questions I have. I'll, just under, I'll, I'll picture Jesus walking into the room and saying, okay, there's an answer to this. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. I'll get, I'll reveal it in eternity, but here are the wounds in my hands and my feet. You've seen me die for you. You've seen me resurrect. Will you trust me with unanswered questions? Um, and, and, and I, I say, okay, I will because of who you are. I don't always get explanation. What I get is revelation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, in our culture today, um, Tell us why it's more important than ever to be seeking the truth for God's word. I know we're just in environments where truth can sometimes, um, it feels like it's the truth or my truth, <laughs> but how do we navigate to what the truth is in God's word? Yeah. Um, part of it is learning where you have um, conflated um, your personal opinions or the traditions of your culture, um, unrecognized biases and assumptions. You, you learn separating that and, and what God's word actually says. You know, um, some of your listeners, you may have heard of deconstruction, which is something um, the younger generation, you know, or uh, whatever they call this generation now, Gen Z and um, millennials, that they, they will be, um, they're, they're questioning truth and they're deconstructing it. And we tend to think of that as a, a terrible process. And a lot of times it is, but for a lot of people that's trying to untangle American culture from what the gospel actually is. And so we've got to be humble enough to do that and to always go back to the scripture and say, what is, what, what is, what is the faith that, that exists in every generation and every culture? What are the unchanging parts of that faith versus the whether it's stylistic, you know, things we've associated with cultural trends or you know, just secondary um, political um, uh, implications of our Christian worldview. Where, where are those things and where's the truth? So um, anything that drives you back to the scriptures is ultimately a good thing. Uh, the reformers used to say that, that the ideal for the church, they used a Latin phrase, semper reformanda, always reforming. That's, an, uh, that's something the church aspires to. We always want to be questioning um, whether or not what we think we believe is really based on the Bible. Mm. For people who are, have a lot of these questions, um, which so, so many of us do, do you see any type of correlation between 
like the the better you know, the more time you've spent in the word and uh, that, that that helps you learn how to discern these answers yourselves. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the more you know the word, the more that the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind. I mean, it's, um, I will say that um, God puts different people in the church with different gifts. We're a body. Um, nobody's supposed to be an island. Uh, part of our American ideal is that everybody's this Lone Ranger Christian, and I don't need church, and I don't need others. It's just me and Jesus. Um, that's just that, that's not biblical. Um, me and my Bible are not enough. <laughs> um, me and the body of Christ in the Bible. That's what I should do. And so God puts people like you into um, the Christian you know, ministry and he puts people like me and he puts people like our pastors and our uh, people at our church. And we should take advantage of those. Um, and we should um, be humble enough to realize that God has not put all the gifts of the body of Christ into us. He's put them into many other people and we should, um, we should be humble enough to listen to them. Yeah. So true. Well, you started to tell us a little bit about how you came up with these uh, 12 different truths. Lend us a little bit more insight as to, you know, what made you decide which questions that you included in the book? Yeah, well, it's a little, little bit of a compilation of um, just the ones that were kind of burning in my heart, you know, um, but also which ones I feel like I get asked the most. And then honestly, a poll um, with our Ask Me Anything audience of what are the most you know, what are the most frequently asked questions that we find the most helpful? And we just put those in a book. So it's going to range everything from, um, you already mentioned one, how do you know for sure that you will go to heaven to why do good things happen to, or bad things happen to good people? What about unanswered prayer? Um, there's going to be questions like what, how does a Christian navigate politics, especially when, you know, uh, within your own family or people who see things differently, what's, what's a way that there can be unity um, in that, um, why do Christians struggle with sin even after they've been filled with the Spirit and saved? Why? Why is that an ongoing problem? I know a lot of Christians who really struggle with that. Um, questions like, why would God care so much about my sex life? You know, why, why is that such a? Why do Christians treat that like such a, a thing? Is that an overreaction by Christians, or is that biblical wisdom? What does the Bible teach about gender, and and how do we navigate those things? Um, those that's a handful of them. That's obviously not all of them, but but those are. Are, 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 are the ones that I find myself answering most as a pastor. First and foremost, mm -hmm. um, Ellen, that's what I am. I'm a pastor and I write as a pastor and I speak as a pastor because I'm not really trying to answer philosophical questions in you know the ivory towers of Harvard as much as I am ordinary people who are asking these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I imagine I would love to to see the the poll of all of the original questions. I know in the book you mentioned some funny ones also mm -hmm. <laughs> that that, uh, that didn't make the cut. Had. Yeah, that's right. Does God, <laughs> does God cheer for UNC Chapel Hill or Duke? You know, like I don't know if I've got an opinion on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, I'm just curious about as you do your own you know, sermon preparation and things like that. I know for me using like Logos, like there's so many times, like, you, you know, the more you look into things, the more questions that you have, uh, which is, which is a wonderful thing, but I'm just curious about your experience in asking questions, even as you're um, working in the text. Yeah. I'm always trying to, you know, they always say your sermon sounds like whoever you talk to that week, <laughs> which is why, which is why you preach your worst sermons when you're in seminary, because you're 
argue with a bunch of seminary students, you know, up in the pulpit. Um, so, you know, I, I try to have a, a good amount of my own ministries with just ordinary people. And I'm, um, you know, hearing the questions they're asking. And so that's, that is influencing what I, I speak about. I'm also trying to, you know, just have the discipline of projecting, like what kinds of people are in that audience? How does the soccer mom who is, you know, a single parent who is just feels like she's, a be, you know, not doing a great job as mother and feels like she's just barely keeping her head above water. How does she, what does she struggle with? She's not thinking necessarily, you know, the same things that a, a, a college student, how, how is she struggling with faith? Um, I try to I always take these messages and I send them out to, it's probably about a dozen people on our staff. And I'm like, you know, where are the people that you're interacting with? What are the questions they're going to have? And, mm -hmm. and, and weaving those into the explanation of the text, because if we're not answering questions that people are asking, then, you know, we're, we're talking to people who aren't listening. And the best way yeah. to have somebody listen is to, to ask a question. They say, yes, that's what I, I want to know. Mm, yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, um, I imagine this book, like I'm envisioning this book, like I wish I really would have had it when I was a small group leader, because you're right, all those questions even come up in that context as well. Um, but who did you write the book for? And um, what are you hoping that your readers are going to take away? Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, Ellen, you could, you could start teaching a small group again. You know, maybe this is your, your uh, motivation to start doing that. <laughs> um, so um, I've got all the answers right here from J.D. Well, <laughs> well, I, mean, I, mean, I think lightning's going to strike if I lean too much in on that one. But um, so, yeah, you know, I wrote it. I, honestly, first and foremost is always for our church. Um, Martin Luther, the reformer, said this years ago. He said, you know, he said, never aspire to teach the church at large. God doesn't call anyone to do that. Aspire to teach your church. So these questions came out of the context of a local church, but that church is filled with people probably like the ones in your audience, you know, from, from the, um, whether it's a single mom or whether it's, you know, a, a married couple, a newly married couple, but somebody that's retired college students, you know, there, there are questions that, are reflected in all of them. So first for our church, but then secondarily for that audience, um, God has given our church a uh, real ministry with college students and young professionals. And uh, it's not like, that's not a hundred percent of our church, but it's a significant part of it. So yeah, there's going to be some influence there where I'm, I'm looking at the people in their late teens, twenties and thirties, what kind of questions are they asking and how do we make Christianity understandable for them? Mm. That's, yeah, that's so important. And I love that it started in the local church and, um, but you're right. It really can definitely expands all across the board. Mm -hmm. Well, as we kind of wrap things up here, um, my last question is why do you think this book will be especially helpful or, you know, people really absorbing these questions, hopefully it makes them even want to dig a little deeper on their own, but why do you think it's so important for the current climate that we're living in? Yeah. Cause we really are in a crisis of faith. You know, a lot of questions that we've only had superficial answers for not because they weren't out there. I'm not the first person to answer these questions, but they're just not as accessible. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, to use the, uh, you know, little cliche, I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. How, how is it, how are these things easy? Um, it's not a perfect book. And I'm sure there are other questions that 
listeners have that won't be reflected in this this book. It's, it'd be impossible to have one book with all of them. But mm-hmm. it will. Um, I've yet to have somebody who picked up this book that didn't say, "Oh, there's several things in here that I've wondered," and and maybe I didn't. Maybe it's somebody in my life that's asking these questions, and I want to know how to answer them. A, a child, a college student, um, and it, it, it it'll give you the basics of an answer, but it'll also teach you how to go about answers. You know, it's it's like teaching you how to like. Maybe it's not your exact question, but oh, here's a way that you learn to think and learn to process things and it'll help you with some of the questions that may be unique to um, your experience or your family. Yes, uh, absolutely. That's really um, what I loved about it as well. So I, I definitely uh, agree with you there. And I know for me personally, yes. And, you know, just like you said, um, even like witnessing to your own family, like they, if these are questions, even they, other non-believers have. So if we can help, um, you know, provide some, at least our, our, the Christian faith perspective, I think that that has an opportunity really to, to hopefully penetrate hearts where Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's at work, right? Mm -hmm. Well, where can people find a copy of the book and connect with you as well? Well, fuck, I'm supposed to say wherever books are sold, you know, they should have to hope this, (laughs) but, um, uh, if you, my website is probably the easiest way to have access to all things, not just this book, but other books on, you know, whether we're talking the assurance of salvation, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, lots of, of, of books um, that hopefully will serve the church. If you go to jdgreer.com, that's J-D-G-R-E-E-A-R, three vowels right in a row, jdgreer.com, that's the easiest place. Okay, good. I'm glad you spelled that because mm-hmm. the first time I put it in, I know I did it wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it still came up. So, right. hey, well, good, good. In... <laughs> um, before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions that we ask okay. our guests. Um, what Bible is your go-to Bible? I know you probably have hundreds of Bibles, but what's your go-to Bible? What translation is it? Um, I use the ESV study Bible is probably what I go to most. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's an excellent one. Okay. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Um, yeah. So I use, um, well, it's just, it's not really a Bible study tool per se, but it's Evernote and I've filled up, you know, with, uh, cause I like to take things I'm learning in the scripture and pray them. So I have, you know, kind of in my Evernote daily prayer, um, cards and I'm you know putting stuff in that, praying for my family, for my kids, for others. And so again, not a spiritual tool, but it's really helpful um, for me. So, Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Okay. Last one. What is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Mm, Well, ESV study Bible um, app is marvelous because, you know, the ESV study Bible, the only problem with it is it's like, you know, 48 (laughs) pounds. Um, But now I'm just carrying around my iPad and I know that some people like to actually have a physical Bible in their hand and I understand that, but at least for when I'm, I don't have the ability to have that. It's just everything they've integrated it where it's got Bible reading plans. It's got, you know, all these commentaries that can be built on. It's a little bit like you mentioned Lagos. I love Lagos, Mm -hmm. but it's the ESV is sort of like a, a a more accessible version of that, you know, because it's all built around the Bible that, and I've been using one recently called Lectio 365. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. And I love Familiar. it. It's a good, yeah. It's a good primer to get me started on my Bible study. And then I have to mention, I'm sorry, Ellen, our, our church's app, Summit Church, Ooh. because we build into it. Um, it's sort of a unified um, daily, like we call it daily revival. 
and it's trying to get all the people in the church reading this, you know, reading the same passages. We pray for the same missionaries, same unreached people groups, church prayer requests. I, you know, it's it's been good to kind of develop. So I know not everybody goes to our church, but maybe it can inspire your church to do something similar. Mm, absolutely. Additional insight. You're studying the book of James now, correct? Yeah, well, we just finished it. So, yes, we oh, have to say James. It. Yeah. Ah, so. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, Pastor Greer, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I hope you, our listeners, just um, feel a little bit more confidence that it's okay to have doubts, to ask good questions and seek answers. So uh, we appreciate you listening and have a blessed day.